I'm really excited this morning. We're, it's nice to be back at home. Um, we missed everybody. Even though it didn't seem very long, we missed everybody. But um, there's testimonies to be told while we were over there. And so um, I just want to take a minute just to share on a little bit of what happened out there. Um, but, you know, I went there to do the my dad's funeral and to have his funeral. And um, it was just... Uh, weird because and awkward because of covid and covid has just made everybody feel uncomfortable with one another and like we've become strangers and so um <laughs> here i come like a hugger and <laughs> and everybody's like no <laughs> and i'm like yes we will hug <laughs> so you know we had to do some breaking through a little bit there and and hug everybody and love on everybody because um we have a lot of family there uh spiritual church family and we have uh natural families my brothers and my sisters and pete's families there and so uh we wanted to go and love on everybody because it had been like three years since Pete's been back there, since we've moved to Ohio. And it's been only a year for me, but we were uh, just seeing people and just loving on them and excited to be there with them and to see what God's doing in the region because that's the original region we started off on. And so to see God moving there was a blessing to us. And so... Um, <laughs> As I'm going through this through this process, and I just kept hearing in my spirit, you know, keep your eyes on the prize. Oh, yeah. The whole time, like, keep your eyes on the prize. And I really believe right now there's a lot of distractions going on. And, um, but we have to see what's louder in our ear, the voice of the Lord or the distraction. And we have to begin to tell the other voices and tell the distractions to stop because we have that authority to begin to set an atmosphere of just hearing the, the voice of the Lord. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, I was, as I was there, I began to pray to the Lord because my dad was saved and he knew the Lord, but he never was really activated to really do what the Lord had created him to do in the body of Christ. And I started asking the Lord, I was like, God, I was like, you know, what did you call my dad to do? Because whatever he was called to do in his life for the body of Christ, I want to be a receiver of that. I want to continue his race, even though he's not here, and fulfill things he didn't get to fulfill. And so the Lord began to show me my dad's heart and how loving he was. And the Lord began to show me that he was really called to be an evangelist. And I never saw my dad like that, but the Lord saw my dad like that. And he said, you know, I always had an evangelist in his heart because he would talk to anybody. Like he would go to a store, he would go anywhere and make friends with everybody. And, like, I don't think my dad ever had any enemies anywhere because he loved so well. And when he saw that people needed help, he would ex overextend himself to help people. And so I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, <laughs> what evangelists look like? And I was like, you know, an evangelist has great grace and mercy to others, and they love very well, and they're very community-driven. Um, my dad never went out to preach or evangelize, 
but he used his home for his evangelism. And we had people come to his funeral and just share their hearts how his home, um, they were always welcomed and always loved very well. And they were always made to feel like they were family. And um, none of these people that were saying that were blood-related. They were like friends that grew up with me. They were like friends of my brother. And they said, man, the one thing we remember the most is how we walked into your house and we instantly felt like family no matter what. And um, that spoke volumes to me because that's how the house of the Lord should be. When people walk in our doors, people should feel like they're invited and loved on and they're part of a family. And, um, you know, it doesn't, it, none of the other stuff matters when the love of God comes in the door. Um, it doesn't matter who's right, who's wrong. It doesn't matter uh, what happened yesterday. <laughs> what matters is the love covers a multitude of a multitude of things and I just started to see how um, the growth in even our personal family became and even um, even in the church family we have even here and how God's love has come in to uh, to supersede the distractions of the enemy and if we just keep loving people and loving people um, not that everything's going to be perfect, but as we extend our love to people, the Lord is going to begin to come in and change and transform things around us. And, uh, you know, my dad, he was a fighter. He would always say um, he had Indian blood, and we would always make fun of this, but he would always say, I have Indian blood so I don't get sick, and, um, and I'm a warrior, so we would laugh all the time because we're, we would remind him of that when he was sick or going through something. We're like, no, you have Indian blood. You know, you're going to conquer this thing. <laughs> and so we were telling him this through the process of him being sick. But he taught us how to fight the good fight. And, um, and, and, and I shared this even at his, um, at his funeral. I said, you know, in First Timothy 6.12, fighting the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And, and, I, and I took that to heart, and I was like, God, we're going to fight the good fight. Yeah. We're going to keep pressing forward. We're going to keep um, calling on you and doing things the way you called us to do because we're not going to give up. Giving up is not a, not a choice right now. There's, there's like so much at stake right now in what God wants to do that there is no way we can go back anymore. As much as the enemy wants to distract us and pull us back to what we used to be and pull us back to what was, God is saying, uh-uh. And I, <laughs> you know, I just keep seeing in the spirit that in the Holy Spirit that we, we're fighters and we, we don't. We don't have the time to just agree with what the enemy's serving up to us right now. And we're going to pull through. You know, um, I watched these farmers out here, and I watched them plow. And, you know, when, when, my, when my parents worked the fields out here, there was a lot of stuff that was done manually. It was like getting on your knees. It was like manual labor that you had to do to plow the ground. You look at these farmers now, and they have these big old machines that help plow. And it's not as much work. It's gotten a lot easier. So I look at those things in the natural, and I'm like, God, 
I ask for the easy and the plowing. Make things easy that it's not like we have to do things back then. But now we have an easier way to do things in the kingdom of God that makes it easier for us that when we plow, we don't have to work as hard as the last generations did. This should be easier for us to plow the land and to uh, agree with what God's saying because he's provided a way for us to have to get more in less time. And I, I, I apply that to the souls of harvest right now. Um, we do have to do a little bit of work. There is, a, there is some sacrifice, but I promise you it's going to be so easy with the love of God because the love of God comes in and covers things that we ourselves can't cover, that it's going to just run so smooth. And so as I was thinking about what God was telling me about uh, keep your eyes on the prize, and I just started searching what that meant. You know, in 1950s and 60s, there was a movement that came about that generation. And it was titled Awakenings. And it was a movement for the civil rights. And it was a movement for freedom in an unjust time. But during this time, the ministers of the church began to minister and preach about equality during this time. The ministers are the ones that were preaching the things that other people didn't want to touch or to preach about. And I really believe right now the church, it had to rise up during that time when unjust things were happening. And I believe now the church has to rise up again. If you look at the pattern of those times then and see them now, they're pretty similar. And, I, and, and you know, it was about freedom. It was about stepping into freedom and taking back your voice and speaking up and speaking freedom. And I just saw it of souls of harvest that there's a generation that's crying right now and they're hurting so bad and they really, really want freedom. They just don't know how to communicate that to us. But they're crying in their private time, and they're hurting, and they're bleeding, and they're going through all this stuff, but they just don't know how to ask for the help. And as I was, I was looking this up, the purpose of Keep Your Eyes on the Prize is to hold on to the Lord as you journey along to reclaim your rightful inheritance as God's son and daughter and return home. That's what it's all about. It's he's calling his sons and his daughters to come back home. And he's, he's telling them, look, um, you have an inheritance. The prodigal son was always called to come back. The door was always open. But in his mindset, he couldn't understand that he couldn't understand that his father could love him so much to keep the door open. And I believe there's a whole generation right now, they think that they've done such bad things that the door has been shut on them and the door is wide open for them right now. And it's up to us to tell them the door is open for you to come in. The house of the Lord is open for you to come in and, and, and pull them out of that mindset of what was being, what's being told in their own thinking process. And um. um 
they even wrote songs about this, like keep your eyes on the prize. And the words were keep your eyes on the prize, hold on, um, keep your hand on the plow. And it was so important right now, it's so important that we keep our hand on the plow. That we don't get distracted because the moment we get distracted, our hands come off that plow and we have to turn around. And what back, what's back there from even back in history, how things were ran back then, didn't mean that they were perfected or worked. But God has new things for us, for this generation and new ways to do things. And so we have to keep our hand on the plow. Um, uh, if I don't know, like how many of you ever listened to Bruce Bring, uh, Springsteen, but he did a rendition of it, of that song, of uh, "Keep Your Eyes on the Prize," and uh, they walked the street singing this song of the Word of God to help encourage one another to keep fighting and to keep going. And I really believe God is telling this to us again. You know, Paul writes in Philippians that. Um, you know, when Paul wrote to the Philippians, he was not free. He was locked up in jail. He was locked up in jail. And here he is, locked up in jail, in the chains, right? Didn't you hear in worship today the significance? They were saying the chains are going to be broken. The chains are going to be broken. And I was just like, that's right. The chains are going to be broken. And when Paul's writing to the Philippians, his whole thing is, even though I'm locked up, even though I'm not in such a good place in the natural, I want you, Philippians, to understand joy and the glory of God. That was the whole motive with him writing to the Philippians. And if we go to Philippians 3, 12 through 21, if you can please turn there, I want to read this with you guys. Because it speaks volumes of where we're at in the body of Christ right now and what God wants to do. It's so good. He says here, I don't mean to say, it's just pressing toward the goal. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. This is what I'm talking about from past generations to now. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, I really feel Paul in this part is is talking with a lot of humility. He's really talking from a place of his heart of enduring some things. And he's like, man, I don't have it perfected. I don't, I don't have it all together. But I'm telling you right now that I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. I will run, I will run, right? (laughs) All I want is you. (laughs) We kept singing about all these things this morning. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. 
Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. That's a very important part. The spiritual maturity. We have to allow God to come and work through us and show us areas of our life where we're still growing in, where we haven't reached maturity yet. And say, God, help us mature in your word. Help us mature in seeing things the way that you see them, not the way I was taught 10 years ago, not the way that I was taught 15 years ago. But help me to see things for this generation for a now time. Help me to see it the way you see it, God. See, this is all humility because we don't have it all together. It's like Pete came this morning. Man, we don't know what we're doing, but we're just saying yes to Jesus. (laughs) let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things this is unity let's come in unity let's agree if you disagree on some point i believe god will make it plain to you but we must hold on to the progress we have already made there's been progress made in this city there's been progress made in this state there's been good things that have happened and if the enemy ha- has had you focused on all the negative things that God hasn't done yet, then you have to reposition your thoughts to heaven again. You have to reposition your thinking to what God is speaking again. Because there have been great things and great fruit that has come from this land. And, you know, um, we don't say things as we see them. We, say, we speak to those things as they're going to be. Right? Now let's go. (laughs) If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, (laughs) pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many who conduct shows. They are really enemies of the cross of Christ, and they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Not our control, not man's control, but under the Lord's control. So we don't have to control anything. We have to keep our hearts humble and pure and give it back to him. Whatever you feel is out of control in your life today, give it to the Lord. Let him have control over that situation. Let him have control over uh, the disappointments, the hurt, the wounds, all those areas of your life. Give it back to him because let him be in control of it because the outcome of him being in control of it is going to have victory. And it's not going to be because of anything we do, but it's something what he's doing and is going to do. I want to read um, the, pre- the Passion's translation on that because I thought it said it so well. 
in Philippians 3.14, the Passion's translation says, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. We need the anointing. <laughs> we need the oil from heaven. You know, when we were in Texas, we ministered on the value of the oil. God gives us oil every day. But what are we doing with that oil? Are we just throwing it on the floor and letting it waste? Or are we keeping it in a little bottle, getting it ready for the next person we encounter that needs a touch and the love of Jesus. The, there's an anointing that each one of you carry that nobody else will carry the same anointing. It's specially made for you. And as the Lord begins to show you the anointings in your life and you begin to use them, and value the anointing, the oil God gives you, when you go out and you minister to others, what happens is you're going and you're like anointing them with that same oil that God's giving you. You're sharing God's goodness and his love to those that are broken and have nowhere else to go. And um, <laughs> I made my heart happy because I was like, God, teach us to value the anointing and the oil. Don't let us squander it right now because there's such a need and there's such a hunger everywhere you go. This whole COVID thing, this sickness set us up. It literally set up the church for people to become hungry again for the things of God that they had nowhere else to turn but God. That's why they're alone in that room all by themselves. They can't have any family members there. But guess what? God can walk in that room. And they're not by themselves. And they're not alone. But God, that's when their God encounters come. Is when they're there. They have nobody else there to be there for them. But who do they call for? In a desperate time, they're going to cry out to Jesus. And Jesus is going to show up for them. The part where it says forgetting the past spoke to me a lot. When we were reading in Philippians 3, 12 through 21, it says forgetting about the past. And as I was reading that, the Lord began to share with me about forgiveness and how forgiveness works in forgetting your past. You know, there's things that have happened in your past sometimes and unless you forgive people in your heart, it's really going to be a stumbling block for you to begin to walk in the fullness of God's love. We were talking about coming to my garden, right? Come in, in worship, come into my garden. And uh, even Samantha shared about pulling out the weeds and cleaning up all that stuff. You know, forgiveness is part of that cleaning up of our garden. And it really does mess with you. And the enemy will use unforgiveness in your heart in a, in a big way if you allow it to. And so we go to Mark 11.25. And you're like, you know, I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to be that person. Then this is, what, this is what you do. But when you are praying... First, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. 
so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. When you're praying, if there's anybody that comes to your mind in your heart, you know that unforgiveness makes your body sick? It literally makes your body sick because you begin to carry it on you and it begins to change the way you think. It even sometimes begins to change your prayer language. That when there's something there that hasn't been dealt with in the garden, that it begins to become a distraction for you. Because every time you want to pray, guess what? The enemy knows what distracts you. And he'll send images and, and remind you of things that were said to you that once hurt you on purpose to stop you from praying and on purpose to discourage you to stop doing what God's called you to do. And so in Ephesians 4.32, this is where we need to be right now. Instead, be kind to each other tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Our hearts are being tenderized right now. They really, really are. <laughs> I feel it in, in the Spirit, in Holy Spirit, that our hearts are being tenderized. Because at the same time as your heart is being tenderized and softened, here comes the enemy Oh, you can't love because look what so-and-so did to you. Oh, you can't love because this hurt you and wounded you. Oh, you can't love because such and such happened when you were a little kid. And it brought you hope deferred and made your heart sick. And the enemy's been using this game for too long. And so now you say, yeah, I'm tenderhearted, but I'm going to forgive everybody who didn't do right by me, and just, just the same way as God through Christ has forgiven us. The more you forgive, the more we're forgiven. The more you forgive, the more we're forgiven because none of us are perfect. We're all walking this thing, not knowing what we're doing, but God's grace and mercy is upon us. And so we get to a place with the Lord and we're like, man, search my heart out, God that whatever's not right, that you would come heal it, that you would teach me to love people. You know, that was the one thing that we deposited while we were in Texas, is people's hearts being touched. And I really believe it's a word for the body of Christ, that our hearts would be so saturated. Because when you tenderize something, it's just ready to receive and absorb the love of God. That's why he wants us to be tenderhearted. He's like, I'm not tenderizing your heart so the enemy can come in and smash it. I'm tenderizing your heart to get it ready to begin to absorb, uh, absorb like a sponge my goodness and my love that you're going to begin to look the way I look. You're going to begin to talk the way I talk and walk the way I walk. Because all I want is him, right? The Lord's good. In Luke 9, 57 through 62, if we can turn there. You know, through this whole process with losing my dad and, and the craziness we went through <laughs> at the airport was insane. 
<laughs> but I knew God was going to do some good things while we were there. I knew that he was going to touch people's lives and heal their hearts. And I knew there was going to be something amazing that was going to happen there. And, um, and that's why the pressing comes in and the pressure comes in sometimes. And, and I'm going to show you in this verse what that looks like. It's Luke 9, 57 through 62. The cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spirituality dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. I just buried my dad. And guess what? I get back and the Lord says, keep your eyes on the prize and keep pushing forward and fight the good fight. There's souls that are needing to come back home and return home to me. Don't give up and don't stop the fight now. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. See, all these people are giving excuses. Well, let me do this, God, and let me do that. And, and we want it to look the way that we think it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to be. And God's like, no, follow me. Come and follow me. Let's just go. Let's just do what we have to do. But we keep giving excuses to God. Well, I, I've got I've got to work extra hours. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And God's like, are you going to follow me? Are you going to follow me? Are you just going to come and be obedient to do what I've asked you to do? Because obedience, it surpasses all understanding. There's going to be some times where God's going to ask you to do something and there's no time for an excuse anymore. You're just going to have to say, yes, sir, I'm coming. Yes, sir, I'm going to go do what you've asked me to do. And what I'm telling you is not something I'm just saying that's real nice and cute. But it's something that we've lived our lives by, me and my family. Get up and move to Ohio. Leave your family. Leave everything behind. But my, my, my mom's sick. My father-in-law's sick. But, you know, you still have to go. You don't have time for that right now. There's things you have to do for the kingdom of God. And then, you know, my dad's sick. Well, guess what? No, no, no. You cannot leave and, and take your hand off the plow. You got to keep plowing no matter what. You got to keep going. And things will come up in your life that will be a distraction. And, and try to get your hand off the plow. But right now is not the time to take your hand off the plow. Because a whole harvest will go to waste if we don't keep our hand to the plow right now. The souls of a harvest will go to waste 
if we stop doing what God has called us to do here. We are like on the brink of our breaking point for the Lord to manifest himself and create miracles and wonders and signs to a whole generation to know that he's real. To know that he's not just about somebody who we read about in a book, but that, but that he has real love for a generation. That when they're lost and, they're, and they can't be found out there, that God is extending a, a love people out there to come and touch them again. Now is not the time to take our hand off the plow. And as much as your mind is telling you to do it, you have to shut the thoughts of your mind sometimes to continue to the, do the plow. Luke 10, 2. These are the instructions that he gave to them. This is when he gets all the workers together and he's about to send them out. <laughs> In Luke 10, 2. And he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Who's in charge of the harvest? The Lord Lord is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So this is where our prayer life has to be right now. God, send the workers. Send those that are not afraid that will go out into the field that will help gather the souls for harvest. People are ripe right now. They're ready for, the, for God to know that they're ready to hear that God chose them. They were chosen people by God, and they were marked by him. And that when they go out into the fields, they're ready for the picking. All you have to do is say, man, some of it is as simple as saying, man, Jesus loves you. And people will begin to break in tears because they don't understand the love of the Father that way. And that love comes and it begins to cover all the sins. And that love begins to come and cover all the mindsets that's, that God didn't give you. And that love begins to come and transform your heart that it gets tender hearted again. And that stony heart gets broken again but so that way his love and his goodness can come and be saturated by their hearts again it's such a beautiful process you know i heard a minister say this the other day it's such a beautiful process to see somebody receive the lord in their hearts because they don't know what they're doing and they don't even understand like they don't understand the greatness that's going to come from them saying, I receive you, Jesus. (laughs) But there is greatness inside of everybody, and God is wanting it to manifest so people know that they have a purpose and a destiny for his kingdom that is greater than you could ever imagine. You that are sitting here, you that are watching, you have a purpose and a destiny that is greater than you can imagine. There's a call on your life, and there's no time to wait anymore. Well, I'm going to wait till I go to this school. Oh, I'm going to wait till this, and I'm going to wait till that. Do you know how to love? Take love to the people. Love on the people. Tell them how much Jesus loves them. 
Simple things begin to bring a transformation to a generation. I don't come with eloquent words, right? <laughs> God is asking each one of us if we would say yes to him. To continue to put our hand to the plow and keep moving forward. Not backwards. Because the enemy's trying to hook you right now and try to pull you back into some things and try to make you feel unqualified and try to make you feel like you don't have the goods. And God's like, you've got the goods. You're qualified. You're ready. Now you just have to put your hand on the plow and begin to move forward and don't look back anymore. Hosea 10, 12, if we can turn there. It says here, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Isn't that so powerful? <laughs> plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. That's what the people need out there. The people that are broken, the people that have never heard the love of God, that have never seen the love of God. I'm not talking about a teacher. I'm talking about a tangible Jesus, Holy Spirit that comes and touches you and grips your heart in such a way that there's no other way to go but to him. Don't you remember when you gave your life to the Lord and something gripped your heart? Something came inside of you and, and, and made you feel such great love. And it made you feel this goodness of the Lord that you were worthy of him coming and touching your heart. And I just started thinking about that the other day. And I was like, God, we got to remember that moment when we received you in our hearts. That we were once these people out there that were lost and broken. And some of us are still a work in progress. We still haven't reached to where we're supposed to be. But God's doing a good work in us. So guess what we get to do? We get to go sow seeds of righteousness. To let them know God has not given up on you. God has not given up on them. God will not give up on a generation that is supposed to be a representation of his love and his goodness. God is not a person who gives up. Guess what? His hand is on the plow. If he's asking us to be the hand on the plow, his hand was on the plow when he walked the earth. He never stopped. He kept moving forward. It's not that he didn't deal with difficulties because if you read the word, it talks about the temptation Satan came to give him up on the mountain. After he had been fasting for the 40 days, he was tempted. It, it wasn't easy, but he showed us 
a pattern and how to live our lives to a now time that when we look at how he lived his life, we can grab onto that and bring it to a now time for us and say, man, Jesus didn't give up. Jesus kept moving forward until what? Until there was resurrection power that was brought forth from his body. And every wound and every scar and every part of Jesus was wrapped in the seed of righteousness. Every part was God's good seeds of righteousness that were planted in you and in me. And you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Can we stand this morning? God's touching hearts right now. He's dealing with our hearts because our hearts are what's going to drive us to go out and pour the love of Jesus on others. God, help us plant the good seeds of righteousness, God. There are people in this world There are people in this town. There are people in the state of Ohio, God, that need the good seeds of righteousness to be planted in them, God. So that way you can harvest a crop of love, God. Let's just begin to say this to the Lord this morning. God, plow up the hard ground of our hearts. It is time that we come to seek you, Lord. That you may come. And shower righteousness upon us. Just let them fill you again with righteousness. We're not right because of what we've done or what we're, we're doing even now. We're right because of what he did for us on the cross. And he wants to remind you this morning that he is showering you with righteousness again. He's picking you up from the dirt. He's dusting you off this morning. And he's saying, it's okay if you fell. It's okay if you made a mistake. It's okay if you had some some things you didn't do so perfect, right? But it's like, let me give you this good seeds of righteousness. So that way, when you leave this place today, you're going to go out. (laughs) And you're going to help harvest a crop of love. God, give us the crop of love, God. Those that are in need of your love, those that are in need of your touch this morning, God. If you're watching and you're viewing this this morning, and you're in a place in your life, maybe you feel really bad about yourself and there's some things going on inside. Even if you're here, maybe the enemy's been pointing out all the wrong you've been doing. But here comes Jesus extending his hand out to you. And he's like, just let me come in your heart. Let me sow the good seed of righteousness inside of you. Just right there where you're at, just say, Lord, I just receive you in my heart. 
I receive you in my heart. Maybe you've already received him in your heart before and you, you've moved away from the things of God. And God's saying, come back home. Prodigal son, prodigal daughter, come back home. Come back home. The door is wide open for you this morning. I never shut the door on you. I never told you you couldn't come back home. The door is wide open. All you have to do is come right in. And God's telling you this morning, <laughs> make my home your home again. Come right in. Come right in. Come sit down with your papa. Come sit down with your father. And I will tell you who you're called to be. And I will speak purpose and destiny over your life. And I will give you good news. Not bad news, but good news to feed the people. <laughs> Just say, Holy Spirit, <laughs> I invite you in my heart this morning. I invite you to saturate my mind. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to saturate my soul again. <laughs> and I receive the seeds of righteousness inside of me once again, God. <laughs> God, there's going to be a crop and a harvest of love. <laughs> oh, we thank you, Jesus. Just begin to thank him right there where you're at. Just begin to thank him right here where you're at in this place. Begin to thank the Lord for the moment that you received him in your heart. Begin to thank the Lord for, for giving us the opportunity to walk with him every day. To walk in the cool of the day with him every day. Begin to thank the Lord. You know, God's a healer, and he's a healer even today. And during worship, I, I felt like this pain in my neck. And it's a pain in, it, God wants to heal the neck area pain. And, he, and it's a pain even for some of you that runs through your arm at times. And if that's you, come up because the Lord wants to touch you and heal you. The Lord will come and heal you. And when he exposes things, it's for his glory, that he gets the glory for the healing, that he comes and touches you. If there's anybody else that needs that touch this morning, come up here. We don't have to do the things of the Father in pain and in discomfort. 